Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Found out, I got an email that found out I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, so I thought I would read it to you because this sounds really legitimate. Um, So here it is. Dearly, uh, dear beloved, I'm sorry for this sudden mail. My name is Mrs. Helen Cook. I was recently diagnosed with this heartless pandemic virus called COVID-19 in a private hospital in UK. And due to my age and my other health conditions, the doctors has already, the doctors has already, Helen's grammar is not real good, has already told me that my survival rate may be slim due to my health conditions in my old age. I have some funds I inherited from my late loving husband, Mr. Andrew Cook, the sum of 4 million United States dollars, yeah, which he deposited in bank, in bank here. And I need a very honest and sincere person, that's me, I guess, that can use this funds for God's work in a significant amount out of the total funds will be for your compensation and administrative charges for doing this work of God. I decided to contact you. Imagine that, of all the people in the world, she contacted me. Wow, isn't that good? And she said, um, here's what she wants. She wants your, my full name, which I was shocked because I thought she was sending to me personally, but she, apparently she didn't know who my name was. Your full name, occupation, contact number, Uh, And she said, if you could be trusted to handle this charity project, send your details, I love this, to my private email address, admin at crazycrack.com. And I thought to myself, that's an appropriate email address because she's either crazy or on crack, right? I mean, she's got to be because who is going to fall for this? Some of you are going, I responded to that letter yesterday. No, this is, this is a scam. Okay, just so you know, this is not real. This is a scam. Mrs. Helen Cook was trying to scam me. And, I, you know, we get these things all the time, right? You get these things all the time. And, and you know they're a scam because they're so obvious. But apparently, some people actually respond to these things. I don't know how desperate or, or uh, greedy you have to be to respond to this thing. But some people do. And they get scammed. And it's their own fault. On the other hand, sometimes it's a little harder to tell when something is not what it appears to be. Did you know that the counterfeit uh, goods industry is, makes up about 8% of our gross domestic product in our country? It is a booming business from these places overseas, usually China, that, that take these products that we all, you know, they're usually named really high quality name brand stuff. And then they just, they just imitate that and they sell them as counterfeits to, to deceive us so that we buy them thinking we're buying the real deal. This is not a knockoff. This is not just somebody trying to be getting something that's similar. This is an outright attempt to deceive us. This is an imitation. This is somebody who counterfeits the real deal, including logos and everything else. They package it as closely as they possibly can. They ship it over here and we unsuspecting people buy it. Usually the first clue is it's probably a lot cheaper than it should be, but it looks real enough and a lot of people fall for this. And so you might've bought what you thought was a Rolex and found out it really wasn't a Rolex at all. Or you bought an iPhone that wasn't an iPhone or some Nike shoes or 
some sort of designer purse or something like that, only to find out it wasn't real. Um, it happens all the time. And it's only people that really catch on are the people with trained eyes. They're able to detect the counterfeit from the original item. And it takes a lot of skill to do that because the average person doesn't know the product well enough to tell when they're being deceived. It's a real problem. Today, we're beginning a brand new series through the book of Galatians called Unrestricted. And to, to kind of the theme of today is similar to what I was just talking about, where there's a problem with some imitation gospel message that's going out, which we're gonna get to that in a minute. But I thought as we begin this series, which I love to do these book studies of the Bible, because I know a lot of people, when they, when they pick up the Bible, it's so mysterious to them, and they don't really know what it's about. So the Bible is, is basically a collection of 66 books divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Galatians is one of those 66 books. It's one of the New Testament books. It actually was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written about A.D. 48 or 49, and he is writing to this these several churches in a region of Southern Galatia and Galatia would be modern day Turkey. Okay. So he's writing these letters to them and he's writing to these churches that he helped establish. And what's happened is that these people have come in and they're, they're kind of creating a counterfeit gospel message. When Paul went and started the churches, it was based on the true message of Jesus. And the gospel is basically this, that, that, that we are separated from God by our sins. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we can have right relationship with him and have eternity waiting for us and forgiveness. And it's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can manufacture, nothing that we can add to that. It's not about being religious or, or being good. It's about God's grace because we're not good. We're not good enough to have that salvation. And so that's the gospel message. But these people were coming in, they were known as the Judaizers. And these were people who were Jewish by birth that became Christians later on. And they came into these churches that were made up largely of Gentile believers. These were people who were non-Jewish people. And as they were in Galatia. And these Judaizers show up in the churches and say, hey, you guys need to understand this. If you're gonna be a Christian, Jesus is not enough. You need to be circumcised. You need to, essentially, you need to become a Jew first, and then you can become a Christian, a real Christian. Or you have to follow some Old Testament law plus Jesus. And so they were, they were twisting it. It was a counterfeit gospel message that was going out to the churches. And Paul hears about this, and he is writing this letter to these churches as a stern warning, he's saying, look, there is a problem here. These guys are, have infiltrated the ranks and they are intentionally trying to deceive you and bring you down. Now, the entire book of Galatians, if you were trying to sum up what the, the entirety of the book theme would be, it was that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. It's like we just sang, in Christ alone. That's the theme of the book. So he writes the beginning of this letter, and he's basically, he's kind of reading them the riot act. He's not happy about what he's been hearing, how they've been believing this counterfeit gospel. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter one, or if you've got your electronic device, if you don't, 
the words will be on the screen. And in Galatians chapter one, he begins by giving his introduction, which he does with his letters because they're reading, these letters are being passed from church to church. And he says this, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus, listen to what he says, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever, amen. Now that's his introduction. Now he's gonna get to the point. And you can tell by his wording that he's not happy. He said, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. The good news is the gospel. The gospel means good news, okay? You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, watch what he says about these guys. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed, obviously. I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So if you're a people pleaser, that would be a great verse to memorize. That's another message for another day, but we'll go on. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Let me pause for a second. Some of you know the story of the apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was persecuting Christians and Christianity. On the way, of, it was a Jewish guy who really felt like he was following God and he didn't like Christianity. So he was on this mission. And on his mission one day, he meets Jesus Christ himself. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And then he goes, plants churches all over the world. Galatians in that area were some of the churches that he planted. And so now he says, look, you guys knew me. You knew the way that I was. And he goes on to say this. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace, then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. So Paul says, look, hey, I was on this mission to eradicate Christianity. I became a Christian. Now I am kind of an apostle to the Gentiles. Even though he's Jewish by birth, he's saying, look, I really feel this burden to reach the the, the Gentiles of the world. And he goes on that mission. And, it, and, and in this, again, he is really disturbed because the gospel, the good news uh, is, is kind of being counterfeited. And so I've entitled the message, Only One Gospel. 
only one gospel. And I've just got two points as we kick off this series, kind of lay the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. So if you're taking notes, here, here, let's just start with the first point, and that is this. There is only one true gospel. And here's what it is. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel or good news. Jesus plus nothing equals the good news. And I don't know about you, but I love to hear good news. And every now and then you, you get somebody that has some really good news. What's the, what's the best news you've ever heard? Maybe it was, hey, um, you know, I'm getting married or we're having a baby or my results came back and I don't have cancer anymore or I, 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 you know, I just made the team or I won the lottery or, or whatever it is. Or, or I just got an email from Mrs. Helen Cook is gonna give me $4 million. I, I don't know what your good news is, but you've, got, you've heard good news. But unfortunately, it seems like for every one bit of good news you hear these days, you get about 10 bad news. If you don't believe me, just go online, look at some of the news sources, and what you'll see is a lot of negativity, a lot of bad news. Somebody got murdered, you know, we've got inflation, we got a new variant of COVID, or, or someone did this, or someone did and, and it's like, we're, we, it, it just kind of builds this sense of hopelessness we have because we're, we're, we're just covered with bad news. But there is good news. Occasionally we get it from someone else, but I'm gonna tell you, there is one good news that is always good news. In fact, I would think it'd be better called the great news and it's the greatest news of all times and it's the gospel message. It's the good news of the gospel that we were separated from God by our sin, but God in his love and mercy and grace offers us salvation and forgiveness through Jesus who came to this earth and died on a cross for our sins. I mean, that's, that's good news. And that's the gospel message. And so when we, when we look at this, this, this is, there is only one true gospel, and it's all about Jesus and Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus nothing, which equals the good news, which one, one uh, there's, I think there's a book called Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I mean, that's really what it is. We, we win because of what Jesus did. And in Galatians, this is the problem that they're having. Right? So, so he takes them back to what they first believed because because when he was there and he started the church, they believed the gospel. They heard the real one true gospel. And then and later after he leaves, these guys come in with this counterfeit gospel. But he brings them back and he says, he reminds them what the gospel is. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. He came to rescue us. That's what Jesus did. I'm gonna get more into rescue in just a second. He talks about this evil world in which we live. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's evil and everything is evil. He's just saying there's this culture, there's this world system that's evil. God in his wisdom has, has set it up for, for the time being that, that the world as we know it, is, it, the dominion of this world is Satan is kind of you know, running rampant right now. And he has the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible says that, you know, Jesus is, the, you know, the king of light and he has his kingdom of light. And, and, and so when we're without Christ, we just kind of follow the world system. But in Christ, we've been changed. We've been rescued from that. And we've been brought into a new way of living, a new way of thinking. And that's through Christ. 
That's, that's, it's not because of ourselves. It's not because of something we did. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. In 1 Corinthians, which is important, I'm going to be reading from some other places other than Galatians, because Paul wrote a, a lot of letters, and he also writes to the Corinthians church, and he says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand for a minute. I passed on to you what was most important and what has been passed, also has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Again, the gospel message. In Colossians, another church in Colossae, he writes this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now, there's a lot of imagery there that if you just read that verse, you go, man, that's a great verse. And it is, it is a fantastic verse. Those two verses, Colossians 1, 13 and 14, great verses. But when you look and dig into what those verses mean, it even gets better. Let me just kind of give you an idea what that means. If you've ever kind of, one of the situations that I find out is that when, when we've been believers for a long time, sometimes we forget how great God's grace is. Like what we were like before God reached us. We, we forget how lost we were and how, how hopeless we felt. And, and it's not a good thing. I think sometimes we have to remember what God did for us by sending Jesus. And, and we, sometimes we're exposed to it so often that we don't really think about it anymore. It doesn't really pierce our heart like it once did. And that's a shame. But let me kind of walk through that verse with you again and listen to what Jesus did. He did it. And we didn't do it. We didn't have anything to do with this. We didn't add to this. It's Jesus plus nothing. So let me read that verse again in Colossians. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now let me break it down, okay? What that means, rescue there means to deliver that he literally delivered us to snatch from imminent danger. That's what it means. To, from the clutches of Satan. That's what he did for us. And the word picture there is like a soldier going to a wounded comrade on a battlefield and risking his life to, to, to make sure that he, that he gets him out of there. That's the picture. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. That's Satan's domain, which again, we were all part of before we met Christ, even though it was, we weren't intentionally doing that, it's just the way that it was. And he transfers us, which we know what transfer means. It means moving from one place to another. And it's also, in this case, a change of masters. Before Christ, the Bible says our master was Satan. Again, unknowingly, we weren't Satanists probably or anything like that. But we were just kind of the part of the world system, his domain. And Jesus rescued us and transfers us, moves us over like, like, again, like a fallen comrade, takes us out of there, transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, which is where God res resides. That's where we are now. It's a permanent removal. It's a permanent transfer. We don't ever have to go back to that again. And there it says that he moved us to the kingdom of his dear son, that the, the precious blood of Jesus is how it's done. He purchased our freedom. That's the biblical word called redemption, that he redeemed us from our sins and, and he paid a ransom for us. And the picture there is someone who has a slave that they buy and then they release. That's what he did for us, that we were bound by sin and he releases us. He frees us and releases us. 
This is the picture. And then he forgives us of our sins. And this is a permanent removal of those sins that are, are it's, it's forgiven and forgotten and that we're, we have a blank slate and, 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 and God is, you know, considers us totally 100% pure. This is that, what that means. That's the gospel. And it's Jesus plus nothing. You know, you didn't add anything to it. There's nothing you can do to add to that. It's not Jesus plus me doing something. It's not Jesus plus me being religious. It's not Jesus and me being baptized. It's not Jesus and me going to church. It's not me and Jesus and doing a servo coney. All that's good, but it's Jesus and Jesus alone for our salvation. That's the gospel message. And again, they were, these guys were coming in going, no, that's not enough. You need Jesus plus something. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus law. Now, let me say this because I think for some of us, if we're not careful, we, we kind of disconnect from a story like this. Because we hear all this stuff about these Judaizers coming in and these Jewish guys saying you need to be Christian and Jewish and all that. And we go, you know, we're in Oconee County. Most of us don't even know anybody that's Jewish, right? So we go, how does that relate to us? Well, here's the danger. Maybe it's not exactly like that, but here's what I find to be similar. Like we give our lives to Jesus and we're so thankful for God's grace. We know that we couldn't do anything. We're hopeless messes without Jesus. And, and, and we give our life to Jesus. And then we become Christians for a while. A few years go by and pretty soon we become a little legalistic. And we, then what we do is we become like these guys in a way and we, we new people coming into the church or new people are becoming Christians. We're going to you. Hey, that's good. You gave your life to Jesus, but now you can't do this, this, this. And we got a list of rules and regulations. And all of a sudden we become the very thing that if you look at Jesus and his ministry, it was the Pharisees. It was these people. There was always somebody who wanted to add to it. And that's the danger. But there's only one true gospel message. It's Jesus plus nothing. In John 14, 6, this is what Jesus said. And this one verse is one of the biggest sticking points for people in the world because of the exclusive nature of what Jesus says here. But this is what Jesus said. I'm not, this is not me giving my opinion. This is Jesus and what he said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. There is no other way. The gospel message is that Jesus is the only one who res could rescue us from our sins, and he did. Now, struggle for them there, probably str struggle for some of us here, but there's only one true gospel message. Now, the second point that, that Paul's trying to make, and I think we need to make here, and it's just this, quit trying to add anything to the gospel and beware of anyone who twists the truth of the gospel. Two warnings here. Don't add anything to the gospel and be careful of anybody who twists the truth of the gospel. I mean, think about this. The good news, just, I just told you what the good news was. We didn't have anything to do with it. He did it all for us. That's great news. That's so, so good news. Why would anyone want to add anything to that? Like, why would I want to add anything to that? What could I add anything to that? But yet we do that. We start adding Jesus plus 
Some Jesus plus do this, follow this, don't do, go there, don't say that, or don't do that. Jesus, no, Jesus plus nothing. We have to make sure that we understand that it is a free gift, salvation. When I gave my life to Jesus, it was a free gift, free. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle when someone gives me something free. I always feel like I'm obligated to that person. That's not the way you're supposed to feel when you get a gift. But a lot of us do that. Like, we're like oh, now I owe you one. That's not what this is. This is, this is a free gift. And I know a lot of people think, well, there's always a catch. There's always some strings attached. No, it is a free gift. You have to commit your life to him, but it's not Jesus plus doing something. It's not Jesus plus being good. It's not none of those things. It's free gift. I remember I got a, I got a letter from um, some resort and they wanted to, they were saying, hey, we've got you, we want you to come and stay two nights and three days and two nights at our resort. And it's free. It's free, totally free. I get all these stupid letters, right? So I get, I'm like, okay, okay, it's free. And I'm looking for the fine print because there's always fine print. There's no fine print on it. Totally free. I'm like, that's nah, not right. I'm skeptical to begin with, but I wouldn't hurt to call. I mean, this is, you know. So I call and I go, okay, I'm calling about this free, um, trip over to your resort. I'd like, I think I'd like to go to that thing. And I'm going to learn a little bit about that. Is it, so what's the catch? No catch. It's free. Like free. I don't have to do anything, buy anything. No, it's free. Two nights, three days, your, your resort, right? With the swimming pool on the beach and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's free. Okay. And I'm like, I'm getting ready to sign up and he goes, okay, all you have to do is sit through a two hour uh, timeshare presentation. I go, wait, die. hold it. Wait, you just told me that it was free. Like it was, it was free. And he said, it is free. You don't have to buy anything. I said, no, you're missing the concept of what free is. Free means I don't have to do anything. Like there's no, I don't have to sit through a, a presentation. It's just free. Like I come and I enjoy everything you've got and then I leave. That's it. That's free. And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. I go, no, it does work that way when it's free. Well, he said, it is free. You don't have to, we're going round and round. I'm not getting anywhere with this guy. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not coming. So just forget it. You and Helen Cook are off my Christmas card list. That's it. You're done. All right? I'm not, I'm not. But isn't that the way we feel? Like someone says something like, oh, salvation is free. And we're going, what's the catch? Like, where's the fine print? Where are the strings attached? Because I know that, because we, you know what we've been told all our lives? If it sounds too good to be true, probably is, right? And that's true in about almost every other case except this one. This is totally free. Now, it takes a commitment of your life. I'm not saying you just, just pray a prayer. I'm saying there's a commitment of your life, but it's not, it's, it's not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus. Give your heart, your life to Jesus. So, so this is what, what the gospel is. And so don't, we, we got to be careful. We don't add anything to it. But we also have to beware of, of others who try to either add something or twist the gospel in any, any kind of way because it's Jesus plus nothing. So in, in the case of Paul writing, he, he, again, he's not happy. And here's what he says to these people. He says, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. Like, this is what the message you believe when I was there. And now you're, you seem to have, you know, forgotten it. He says, you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good, the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. This wasn't an, this wasn't a, 
an honest mistake that they were making. These people were coming in and twisting, deliberately twisting the truth of the gospel. We have to be very careful that we don't fall for that. Because the truth of the matter is that it's Jesus, Jesus alone, it's a free gift, and the only way to be saved is through Jesus. You cannot save yourself. You can, the more you try to save yourself, the further lost you're going to be. You can't. It's like if you fell into quicksand. I've never fallen into quicksand, but I've watched enough movies to see how, what happens when people fall into quicksand. You saw I'm an expert at it. I stayed at Holiday Inn last night too. So I, I can tell you all about quicksand. Here's what I know about quicksand. If you fall into quicksand, your natural reaction, what, what are you going to do when you fall into quicksand? I'm going to get out, right? I'm going to get out as fast as I can because I don't want to. But you know what happens because you've seen the movies too. What happens when you, when you try real hard? You sink faster. There's something about quicksand that you, you're better off to just kind of relax, take a deep breath and wait for somebody to come in, which goes against human nature because you want to save yourself. This is exactly what salvation is like. You know, there's this idea. When you get to the point where you go, okay, I'm going to die one day and, I th- and there's going to be an eternity and I, I'm really sure all of that, how that goes on, but I, I, I better try to save myself. I better do something. So you hear the message about Jesus. You don't have to try to save yourself and you go, well, that's nice, but still, I feel like I still need to do something because that's like too good to be true. So we start adding things to the gospel. I better save myself. You, you get further away. Or taking it, like, let's just say you, you had a recipe, some food that you like, your favorite food in the world. And the recipe is just, and every time you make is perfect. And one day you get this idea, you know what? I think I'm gonna add something to that. So you put a couple of new ingredients in there and then you eat it, it's like, oh, that is the worst thing I've ever had. Because you've destroyed the way, you've added to perfection, right? It's, 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 it happens all the time. There used to be a show on TV. And I think they've actually, they're actually rehashing this thing now. It was called To Tell the Truth. How many of you remember To Tell the Truth? What it was, if you don't know, it, there was a, it was a celebrity panel who had to try, they were kind of the, their job was to figure out who was not, who was the authentic, who the counterfeits were and who were the authentic. And so they'd have like three people pretending to be uh, a person that maybe invented something or was an astronaut. Or, and they would have to ask a series of questions in their, in their given time. And then they would listen to what, how they were answering them. And then they would try to, at the end of the show, they go, okay, who do you think it was? Well, I think it was contestant number one or two, whatever. And then they would have them stand up and the real person would stand up. And a lot of times the imposters fooled the celebrity panels. And, and it reminded me of, of sometimes what happens with the gospel message. We need to be so, so familiar with what we know about the gospel that any time there is a twisting of that or, or a new presentation of that in a different way, we need to say, wait a second, that's, that's false. That's the counterfeit. I, I'm going, I know that I reject that right now because that's not truth. That's, that's what we're called to do. We're, as believers, we ought to know truth from false when it comes to this thing. Here, here's what it says in Colossians. Again, Paul writing to a different church. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses three and four, he says, but I fear somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ 
will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with what, whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. This is happening all over in, in the New Testament churches. This was happening. And let me tell you something, it's happening today. There are those who'd come and deliberately twist the truth of the gospel message. And as followers of Jesus, it is our responsibility to be able to tell when that's happening because we're so familiar with the, with the authentic version, what the gospel is. There are, there are those that the Bible calls wolves in sheep's clothing that come in and they try to divide the church with trying to twist things and cause disunity. Do you know that there are other gospels out there today that people fall for all the time? I'm gonna name off a few of these things just so you know, and hopefully you are not one of those ones that are falling into these, but there is a very popular version of the gospel that is not true today. It's known as the prosperity gospel. It's, it, it's, it's, it's known as the name it and claim it group, or as I like to call it, the blab it and grab it group, right? This is, it's, it's all about word of faith. If I want it, you know, enough, and if I have enough faith, I can have it. And it's always about getting rich or getting, you know, having material possessions. It's, it has nothing to do with the authentic gospel message. And yet there are some very popular teachers out there that, that many people follow. They have about millions of followers Many are probably good Christian people who are just don't know what they believe. And they follow that stuff thinking it's truth. It's not. Jesus said the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He wasn't, according to their gospel, he had been a failure because he wasn't rich. And these people are out there all, the place, all over the place. There's another one, just it's the heretical gospel. The heretical, heretical gospel is any gospel that's twisted. And they take the, the you know, truth of God's word and, and they deny certain things. Like they deny Jesus was fully God and fully man. They deny the existence of hell. They deny that Jesus died and he actually rose again bodily. Or other things. This, this is, it, it takes the, the scripture and twists it or it says that that's not really truth. That's, that's, that's some sort of... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not really meant to be taken literal. Things like that. There's the easy believism gospel. And that's the gospel that just says, hey, just believe it. Just say this prayer. You don't have to commit your life to anything. Just say a prayer. And that's good. You'll be on God's side then. Just say this prayer. Now, we always end a service in a prayer, but it's, we always hopefully tell you that it's, it's more than a prayer. It's, it's a commitment of your heart. And then there's the one that's probably the most prevalent in our society, and it's the one that was pr most prevalent back then. It's, it's, it's the works gospel, and that's when someone adds anything to God's grace. Like it's Jesus plus something. If you believe, and, and so many people believe this, they would not call it that. They don't know what to call it, but I think they struggle with the idea that something it can be as simple as giving my life to Jesus Christ, which is, sounds simple. It's, it's harder to do than it is, you know, fully committing but there's this idea that that's too good to be true. So I need to, I need to really be good. I got to be a good person and you should be a good person, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. 
or I need, I better go to church or I better do this. That's good, but that has nothing to do with your salvation either. I have been shocked in conversations for many years of how this works. And here's the most popular one. Like I'll have conversations with someone, I'll say, you know, if, if you were to die and you were standing before God and he was, he was asking you, why should I let you in heaven? What would you say? Now, and I could say this to believers and they will say something like this. Well, if I were standing before God and he asked, you why, asked me why I should go in heaven, it's because I've been a good person. I follow the golden rule. I did more good than I did bad. And they're like, you know, you're missing the concept here. That's not about this. If you're a believer, it has nothing whatsoever to do with any of those things. The only answer to that question, why should I let you into heaven, is God, you probably shouldn't. But Jesus went to a cross and he died on that cross for my sins. And I placed my faith in him. I am, I'm a mess apart from Jesus. And the only reason you should let me into heaven is because Jesus laid down his life so that I could go to heaven. Not because I deserve it. Not because I work for it. Not because I'm religious enough. Because I'm not. It's by your grace and your grace alone. That's the only answer that works. If you're trying anything else than that, you're going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be pretty sad for you when you stand before God one day. You need to understand that we are blessed by God, by him just saying, look, it's a free gift. And as we kind of continue this series, we're going to see a theme, right? This is, I love doing book studies because we really get, we're going to really get to dig into this letter that he writes. But I'm going to pray as we close the service and I'm going to give you an opportunity. If maybe you've been relying on your goodness and I'm going to tell you, it's not good enough because perfection is the standard and Jesus is the only one that could do that and he did it. So if you'd like to place your faith in Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gospel message, for the, for the simplicity of the gospel that even a child can understand that, that Jesus went to a cross and he died for our sins so that we could be made right with you. So Lord, I pray for those that don't have a relationship with you. They, they've been relying on trying to get by by their performance, by jumping through some religious hoops. But I pray that today they would realize it's only by their faith in Christ that will get them into heaven. And if that is where you're at today and you'd like to, to give your life to Jesus, maybe offer a prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I am giving you my life today. I am committing my heart to you. I believe you died on that cross for me and that you rose again and I place my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. God, teach us as we, as we go through this wonderful book of the New Testament and show us over the next several weeks how we can really truly embrace the gospel message and who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.